Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff, episode number 63. And once again, I am blessed with the presence of the king of the comeback, the, the prince of the power move, the the monarch of martyrdom, I don't know, ran out of things. Mr. Tony Viss, how are you, my friend? That was, that was, that was very alliterative of you, Marty. Um, <laughs> very very well. illiterate, yes. <laughs> <laughs> doing well. Uh, we are sitting in the 50s uh, here in November, and it uh, seems like tomorrow is going to be the coolest day of the week, and then we kind of keep going in those 50s, 60s. So I, I cannot complain this time of the year. It doesn't really seem like basketball weather, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, there's lots of basketball on television um, our girls program has started practice this week. Uh, we're kind of ramping up a little bit, getting ready to start next week with the boys. So life is good. How is life in the Big O? The Big O is terrific. If it's even better in Fort Calhoun, uh, we've been doing some conditioning stuff, um, and uh, the kids are getting better every day. Uh, we had a little team bonding trip down in Nebraska for their opening night on Monday night. And had a great time with that. Um, we got our new uniforms that we ordered last spring. They came in today. Uh, so Christmas. Yes, it's Christmas in November, if you will. Um, and so we, uh, yeah, it's 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 been good. Um, we got we got a couple of little nagging things with a, with one or two of our kids, uh, just a little injury stuff, but. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. Our numbers are a little bit down, but I really feel like we've got 15 kids that are just going to really compete every day. And, you know, it's, it's like I've told our kids in our, in our pre-season meetings, you know, if you're not ready to play someday, you're going to get your butt kicked. You know, you, you, you've got to be ready to bring your best effort on a daily basis because if you're not ready to go uh, and, and you are quote-unquote player number two or three, let's say, you know, if you're not ready to play, player number 10, 11, 12 is going to kick your butt because I really feel like we, we do have 14 or 15 kids that we can just really do some nice things with. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're doing good. We're, we're doing good. well. So um, episode number 63, Mr. Viss, I've got two uniform numbers for you. Um, two... Well, no, one offensive line. No, I think they're both offensive linemen. Um, one for sure is an offensive lineman. Let me make okay. sure the other one is. Um, uh, I got to look it up here. Sorry, sorry. No, yes, yes, yes. He, 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 two, both of them were offensive linemen. Sorry, I should have had that ready to go. And one is in okay. the Hall of Fame. One will probably, the other one will probably be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I'm going to guess Mike Webster. Nope. Was he 62? He was like no, 52. No, we just said 62. Yeah, his ship has sailed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crap. 63. Uh, Dwight Stevenson. Nope. He was, I think we had him a couple of weeks ago. I'm off to a stellar start here. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, the one that is in the Hall of Fame, uh, had a Hall of Fame playing career, but then he also... Uh, was very well known as the head of the Player Association. Gene Upshaw. There you go, sir. There you go. There's one, and, and the one that one was, is. Are they currently playing? The other one has retired, 
and uh, I believe he was a one-team guy. Yep, I he was a one-team guy. Or well, he's basically known for one team. Won a Super Bowl. Uh, very famously linked with Peyton Manning. Just Saturday. There you go, my friend. Nailed it, Nard Dog style. So, <laughs> do you like that when I said that to you I, earlier this week? Yeah, that was good. Um, all right. Uh, so we got both numbers, and now we are ready to get down to the nitty gritty. And the nitty gritty is: we are here to talk about what you can do as a coach to avoid getting upset. And this kind of popped into my head yesterday morning after Monday night where, uh, I mean, when's the last time this has happened, Tony, where a top five team in both sports uh, or both genders lost in or on their opening game? I, I, I don't really recall that happening ever before. Now, Colorado's a lot better than James Madison, uh, but but without a doubt, though, it was much more shocking to see uh, what a lot of people thought was a really, really loaded Louisiana State team defending national champions who added a couple of terrific players, uh, not only got beat, but they got their butt kicked the other night, it yeah, sounds like. they were down like. 20 at one time. Yeah. So uh, we thought it would be good to talk about avoiding upsets. And things that you can do as a coach that you, you know, you can do everything. What can you do to put into place to avoid being upset? So uh, that's kind of the theme we're going with today, right, Tony? Yeah, yep. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, one of those things where, you know, upsets happen. I think that's one of the, the fun things that makes sports really, really great. Um, but at the same time, I think there are some things that, that I don't necessarily think it's going to take and 100% you're going to be upset proof, but I think no. it, it helps. Yeah. So my, my first question for you, Mr. Viss, what is the one time that you were upset that still sticks with you in your seasoned and experienced career? Um, it was when I was still the varsity girls coach here at Kennedy. Um, we were late in the year, and we got upset by Dubuque Hempstead, and it, it really changed uh, the course of the season because what ended up happening, instead of being able to host the regional final, uh, because here in Iowa they allow uh, the, the large classes to host the regional final, uh, it shook us up to where we dropped below the number two seed in our in our region, yeah. and we had to go to their home court, and it was a hornet's nest. Um, and it was, uh, we, we played great. We played really, really well. We lost a close game. Um, but I honestly believe if that game had been on our court at Kennedy, I think we win that game and we're at the state tournament. But the, the losing to Hempstead started the domino effect. Yep. Uh, for me, the greatest upset that I ever went through on the bad side of it uh, was when actually I was an assistant coach. Uh, and this was very, very early in my career. Uh, at Briarcliff, uh, we were really, really good. We went, uh, we went undefeated in the regular season, and I mean, we set records. We scored like crazy. We went through a stretch that year. We went through, and this is the mid '90s. Uh, this is '95 ish, '95, '96, uh, and or not. I'm sorry, it's '90, '97, '98. So this is before, you know, really breakneck stuff really happened. And we went, uh, you know, we ended up averaging like 93 a game that year. And 
we had a we had a ten game stretch at one point where we averaged we averaged something like a hundred and six a game. I mean, it was just it was just unbelievable. That's not bad. Yeah, well, we yeah, it wasn't bad. We were really good, and so we go into the national tournament undefeated. We were the two seed because of the archaic system that they used back then. Uh, we were far and away the best team in the country. But as fate would have it, we ended up meeting in the Elite Eight against Doan University, whom we had played in the regular season, and uh, we it was it was a decently co- close game at halftime. We were up ten or eleven, but we were playing really tight. And then we just blew their doors off in the second half. We were up 40 at one point, ended up winning by 30. Um, and we're in the Elite Eight. We're, we really feel like, okay, we're ready to go to the Final Four. And and we lost by four. And it's been well over 25 years. And that's when myself and, and Mike Power and Jamie Sale were all coaching together at Briar Cliff. And um, I don't think any of the three of us have ever watched the game film. I think it's I think it's literally still that painful over 25 years later. So, um, yeah, that that was not fun. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how about the biggest upset you ever pulled as a, as a coach or, or, or as a part of a coaching staff? What what's the biggest upset that you remember? Um, I remember my first year I was at, was a head coach. And we started off the year really slow. We, I think we lost like our first um, three, four ball games in a row. And then uh, Tripola comes ro- rolling into town and they were one of the favorites to win the conference. And we stomped the mud hole in them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they were shocked. Uh, and it, we, were, we were a young team. I think we were mostly uh, sophomores at that time. Um, and, and just pinned their ears back and got them pretty good. And uh, it was just fun because it was our first one of the season. You beat a team that, you know, I would guess they're probably favored by double digits over us. And, uh, yeah, that one, that one's a a fun one to sit back and remember because those kids, it was a, you know, a complete culture change where, uh, you know, going from a different coach to me, a different style of play. And then for that to be our first win, because I don't think many people would have circled that we were going to knock them off with them being one of the preseason favorites in the league. So that was one that stands out too. Was that at Walnut Ridge? Yeah, that was back in the day at the Ridge. At the Ridge, you bet. So, um, you know, uh, one game that kind of sticks out for me was it was my fourth year at Scott. And we got to the district final, and it wasn't necessarily an upset per se because we had a really good team. But we had just played. I think that year uh, we finished sixteen and eight, so we played twenty four games, and I think sixteen or seventeen of those games were against ranked teams. So I mean, it was ju- it was just man, it was just murderers row. And and we had a good team, but we just we struggled to get over the hump against some of these teams, and we got to the district final against South Sioux City, and this is when Kelly really had it rolling. I think he had won something like 15 out of 16 district titles or something like that, and, and uh, or 15 out of 17, some crazy number, and, and he had just won, they had just won their 10th title very you know right before this, a year or two before it. So they were still humming along, and we had beaten them a, you know two or three years, or about six years before that we had, we had upset them. Um, and then we had, they were in our conference. They were, you know, so we play them in conference two times and then we'd always end up in the same district with them. And we had lost to them this, this particular year, we had lost to them twice up there, both times. Very frustrating. I just felt like if we can just get them on a neutral floor, get them out of there, like you were talking about with your, with your team, kind of the opposite of that. 
and we got him on a neutral floor. We got out. We got out to an early lead. We got up about ten early, and and we ended up knocking him off. We ended up beating him by about eight or ten. We hit some real clutch free throws at the end of the game, and it wasn't necessarily a, a, a an upset in the sense of the teams, but it was just because of the name on the front of the jersey. It was a really really big deal for for our kids to 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 take care of business with them, you know. So. Um, so yeah, so so there you have it, folks. Our our biggest upsets, and you know, on both sides of the ledger here. Um, how do you avoid getting upset? That's that's how do we avoid uh, the bad ones that we talked about and the good ones? Uh, you know, how do we keep going with the good ones here? So, uh, Tony, I've got about six bullet points here today. You want me to get going, and and, and then we'll kind of go back and forth, or yeah, yeah cool. we can okay. just spitball off each other. All right. Uh, the number one thing that I had that if you want to avoid being upset uh it starts in practice consistent effort starts in in practice and and if you want consistent game effort uh you got to have consistent effort in practice and usually teams that are most susceptible to being upset are the teams who at times struggle to really practice hard or practice well Uh, I know teams that have been the most frustrating for me on game nights have also been the teams that have been most frustrating in practices. And, and so, you know, we really, what, what I tell my kids is if we, if you kids play as hard as you can and we feel like you're concentrating, then, then whatever happens happens. But if we lack in one of those two areas, if you lack there, then we've got to get on you. And we are, we are pretty vigilant about if we see any lack of effort or lack of concentration, we jump on it right away. But the, our kids pretty well know that that's only, that's about the only two ways they're really going to get yelled at in our practices is lack of concentration and lack of effort. And other, uh, you know, I just really feel like again my philosophy: if they do that, then it's your job to teach because they're giving you everything they have at that point, uh, regardless of their basketball skill level. So. Uh, but I think that's where it all starts at is is that consistent effort in practice. And if you have consistent effort with your mental and physical exertion, the odds of you getting upset decrease quite a bit, in my opinion. Yeah, and mine's kind of similar in that same vein, just in terms of like preparation. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's the same type of preparation. It's the, you know, you walk through what the other team does, how you're going to defend it, you know, what sets will be successful against them, where your mismatches are and stuff like that. When you get ready to do the scouting report, it's not on this team that's good. You give them a two-page scouting report. On this team, there may be, their record maybe doesn't indicate they're as good. They get a one-page scouting report. Um, you know, you you do the preparation the, the same level. I, I Every single time, you know, it's one of those things I talk with our kids about, you know, if, if you beat one of your rivals or a team that's really good, it's not that they give you a win and a half or two wins. It's still one win. And yeah. then if you beat a team that the record maybe doesn't indicate that they're as strong, again, it's still one win. And so just always treating the prep the same. Yep. That was that was on my list as well, Tony, uh, consistent with your your preparation um, and, and sometimes you, it's hard to find that. Sometimes you got to dig pretty hard and, I, and I'm going to get to, you know, kind of something related to that here in a, in a little bit. Uh, 
but that was the first thing that I actually wrote down, Tony. I kind of I, I wrote down my six or seven bullet points, but then I kind of okay, I want to talk about this one first and this one second. But the very first thing I talked about was prepar- prepare for every opponent the same. You got to have the same scout. You got to have the same film study. You got to have the same practice execution. Um, what and, and a couple of weeks ago we talked about practices and and designing a great practice or what goes into a great practice. Well, if this is what you do. And for us, we, we do the verbal scouting report, we watch the clips, then we walk to the gym and we walk through the clips that we just saw, big picture stuff, then we start our practice. We do that for all 20-some opponents that we'll have this year. And I think with that consistency with your scout preparation, um, that puts you in a situation where your kid's try to at least hopefully mentally treat every opponent the same as much as you can in a long season yes most definitely you know that's i just think it's so very very key uh that you do that otherwise the kids will pick up on that you know hey basically coaches tell us we just gotta roll the ball out we're gonna win here and if you ever go out there with that type of attitude you're gonna find yourself on the wrong side of the scoreboard mm-hmm. want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers, go to apennantanapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our Apennantanapkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every Apennantanapkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of Apennantanapkin. Apennantanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Um, next one I had, Mr. Viss, was uh, during this scout process, though, I, I think it's really important that you don't over or undersell any of the teams that you play. You know, I always call it the the, the Lou Holtz, you know. I tell you what, guys, you know, I tell you, if... If we go out there and Rice plays their best game and we play our worst game, they may stay within three touchdowns of us, guys. And we just can't let, you know, the whole, that was my, that was my Lou Holtz there. So. That's good. Yeah, thank you. Um, now, you can't lie to your team. I, I think that's really, really important. I, I don't know how good of a coach I am, Tony, but I one thing I am really consistent with, or I've always tried to be consistent with, with my teams, I don't lie to my teams. So, yes, we're going to prepare for this team that's not very good and we're going to do all these things but i'm also going to say hey girls and and it's different than what we had 20 25 30 years ago tony when when we played um there was no internet or huddle or or x or whatever we're calling twitter these days uh to to see clips of of cedar rapids washington or one of our opponents or whatever it may be uh a lot of times we had no idea what our opponent's records were coming into games well we think they're pretty good oh 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 oh, they're they're eight and four oh yeah they must be pretty good you know um you know kids can see that they can look it up online you know and and i know they do the same thing in iowa they can look it up and look at their schedule and see who they've beaten by how bad uh, by how much or who they've gotten beat by by how much and all those other things so i think more so today when you're playing somebody that you should beat, especially somebody who you should not be upset by, I think the challenge that you give your team is, look, if we want to be as good as we say we want to be, we go out tomorrow night against West High, 
and we take care of business. We don't mess around. Great teams don't mess around in this situation. They don't let them hang around. They come out. They're focused. They're intense. They're focused on getting better today, whatever your buzzwords are in your program. And, you know, this is what great teams do. And I think you try to put that onus on your team. Don't play down to the level of the opponent. Play up to the standard of your program. And a lot of times that will hopefully help with your mental focus in those situations as well. Yeah, one of the biggest things that we emphasize with our kids is the fact that, you know, I know that it says that we're competing against whoever. But at the same time, who we're really competing against is ourselves and that standard that we hold ourselves to when we step on the floor. Um, and so that's that's a big thing that we do as well is just making sure that, you know, they understand what the standard is, um, you know, and, and different things like that. And so that's something that we also emphasize with them as well as playing our best we don't we can't really control for the you know for the most part how the other team plays mm-hmm. but we can control how we play yep. and so wanting to hold ourselves to that standard of excellence is something that we try to do each and every time out yep uh what else you got buddy one of the other things that we we do a lot of is like goal setting mm-hmm. uh before you go in like we want to re we went out rebounding by at least 10 we want to get to or sorry we want to make more free throws than they shoot um, we want to hold them to 33% or less field goal percentage shots. And I think a lot of times if you can focus on those types of things, then the, the numbers, if you will, the equation, if you will, it's going to take care of itself and you're going to get the win. But going after those standards that you've set for your team um, is something that's very, very important too. And that's kind of what we were playing off there a little bit with what we were talking about back and forth. But I think sometimes if you can put numbers and goals and, and different things like that out there, I think that also is something that, that can help avoid that. Like, this is what we're shooting for. I don't really care what the scoreboard says. This yeah. is what we're shooting for. And if we can do those things, then you're going to end up on the right side of the ledger. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I had mentioned these. We have three offense, three three defense every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we have our four, uh, you know, game-specific ones. So, you know, uh, 45 points or less, 53% of all rebounds, foul 16 or less times. Those are our three defensive goals. Uh, 15 or less turnovers, make more free throws than our opponent makes, and shoot 40%, you know. And and then again we have our game specific and then I think I, I, I'm really confident I mentioned this uh, before as well you know one of my assistant coaches uh, is is going to the next day in our report card okay how do we do you know how do we do on this stuff and and let our players know and give them feedback the day after and and the more we take a look at like you said Tony uh, the the standard the statistical standard that we take into uh, the statistical standard that we take into every game is playing to that standard. And we're not worried about who is wearing the other Jersey, you know? So I like that. I like that. Um, Tony, can you do everything right and play really well and still get upset? Yes, you can. It's, it's a funny game, but yes, you can. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I think that's something that you have to prepare yourself for. As a head coach, don't you think? I mean, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's a funny game, <laughs> like you said. It's it's a funny game, and uh, I, I think that's something that, you know, again, talking about standards. If you, if you really feel like you've played up to your standard, and even if that team is quote unquote not as good as you, and you feel like it's an upset, like we never should have lost to that team, 
you tip your hat and you move on and you emphasize, hey, okay, we did about everything we could. Just the basketball, I, I, this is a phrase, I'm, phrase I've used before. I don't know if you've ever used it, Tony. The basketball gods just like them a little bit more than they liked us tonight. And so we got to move on and we got to get better tomorrow. So, um, you know, how do you handle those type of situations, Tony, when you feel like you do everything right and you still get upset or you feel like it's a team that you should not lose to? Yeah, it's one of those things when, you, when you, that happens, like you said, Marty, you just kind of go out there and, hey, you tip your cat cap to them uh for whatever reason they got great bounces maybe they got some fortunate calls uh maybe for whatever reason uh we had shots that were halfway down that burped out or whatever the case may be and you just kind of chalk it up and you move on i mean that's not one that i think you can kind of grab them by the scruff of the neck and, and get on them because you know like you said sometimes teams are evenly matched you might be you know, a two, three point favorite. And for whatever reason, they hit a last second shot and both teams played well. It was a heck of a high school game and it came out on the wrong end. How do you handle it, Tony? I'm just kind of thinking of a couple of teams that, uh, especially when I was at my old job, that we had troubles with. But if, if it, you know, if it was a video game, you would line it up and you go, well, God, we should, you know, you feel like as a coach, you're much better than them you know, spot for spot, you watch them, you scout them, you're like, man, this should be a game we should win by 10, 12, 14 points. And and you just, they just find a way to kind of, you know, the old, the old phrase, you know, they have your number. I mean, how do you handle that internally within yourself? How do you handle that with your team where you're just sitting there going, how are, how, I, I just, I'm not saying they're a bad team. They're not a bad team, but gosh, I just feel like we're just a lot better than them. I mean, how do you handle that? You know, sometimes it's a style of play, yeah. um, you know, and whoever controls the tempo, whoever, uh, you know, is the aggressor and kind of puts their fingerprints on it, so to speak. Um, and so sometimes it's a bad matchup. You know, I, I mentioned the Hempstead game earlier. Uh, one of the things with that team is they had a girl in size like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and our tallest player was like 5'10", uh, 5'11". And we just had a really, really hard time matching up with her they mm-hmm. slowed the tempo down we didn't turn their guards over like we had previously and sometimes it's just one of those things where it's a bad matchup for you you're the better team like if you were to play quote unquote another good team you would have a chance to knock them off while this team if they were to play that team and again it's a different style of play they might get beat by 10 15 points but yet they're knocking you off yeah. and you might be able to beat that other good team and so I don't know. It's just the style of play sometimes and yeah. who gets to set the tempo. That That's kind of an interesting thing. Um, and then some nights the ball, for whatever reason, is stingy and doesn't want to go in. And some nights for the team that you're playing, they're making shots that they normally don't make. And it's it's one of those things where it's, it's hard to explain. I yeah. do the best you can with it. But I don't think it's something you hold over their head and kind of, you know, kind of beat them up with it, so to speak. It's just a bad matchup and you move yeah. on. I, I'm, I'm thinking of a, of a team that I had at, at Scott and it was kind, kind of a, 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 you know, probably a little bit more of a rival in their minds at the time than it, than it was ours. But we, we played against gross and we had this like three or four year stretch and they had this gal and, and she was a very nice player. She had a really nice college career. Um, and, and they played, you know, but I, I looked at our team. I'm like, we should, we should beat these guys by 10 points every time we play them. And and we would play them, and they played this this kind of flat three two zone, 
and they put her at the top of it and they you know kind of played her as a yo-yo person and and they they would kind of take the air out of the ball a little bit and and we must have lost to them like five times in a row and i'm just sitting there going how are we losing to these to this mm-hmm. team, you know, and, and it's nothing against them. Like I said, they weren't they weren't a poor team by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't like they were going two and eighteen every year, and the only two wins they had was against us. I'm not saying that, but to me, it always felt like an upset because I was just I would just sit there and go, "We are so much better than them." I just feel like we're 10, 12 points better than them, but we just can't get over the hump, and. Um, you know, it was just kind of that that thing that they had against us. So, um, yeah, um, that was just kind of a sidebar topic that I that popped into my head as we were chatting here, buddy. Uh, what else you got? You know, another one. You know, in terms of things, is like your your, your pregame speech with them. You know, I think mm. there still has to be that excitement in your voice, but it's not one of those things where I think the pregame speeches have to be kind of consistent to what we were talking about as well because if you go in and you're not like you know thrilled hey it's a day to compete we can get better day and just kind of go hey you know let's just go out there and let's do this let's get it over mm-hmm. you know you're setting your team up for a bad situation there and so i think your your pregame you have to be enthusiastic you have to talk about the things that you need to do to win and and what your goals are and what you how you want to execute and stuff like that um and so i think that's important as well the team's going to kind of feed off your vibe and sometimes in those games where the opponent's not you know stellar or whatever you might not have that great of a crowd mm-hmm. and so one of the things that we talk about with our kid is byoe bring your own energy yeah and so that's something that we we mentioned as well is the fact that hey we want to get off to a really good start and make sure that that seed of doubt continues to grow in their mind that they have a chance to be on the court with us because if you allow them to you know, it's close to the, end of the first quarter, and then they begin to think that they can win. They, and then the next thing you know is by the time, if it's still close in the third quarter, now the thinking has gone to a belief, and you've got your hands full, and you're you're going to be in for a will of a, of a contest all the way to the end. Yeah. I, I really like that, Tony. I didn't even think about, like, your, your pregame speech. Um, that's a great point. You know, I, I'm really more of we have our – we have our pregame pretty well down. I kind of do the same thing every game, and it's not lacking in enthusiasm, but uh, or anything like that. We we come in, we uh, the kids have their you know they I kind of let them do whatever they want to in the locker room as long as they're not you know doing something really stupid you know, mm-hmm. but but they come in when when I come in, uh, they know okay whatever we've been doing it's time to get locked in. And so uh, we play our, our focus. We call it our focus song. This is something I got from Coach Jungers at Newell Fonda. Um, and it's, they, they're going over their scouting report while I'm writing my stuff up on the board. And we play this song for about two minutes. Um, and it's just kind of our thing that's like, okay, it's time to lock in. And what's really good about that, Tony, is it only gives me two minutes to write stuff up on the board. And I noticed that the less I write up there, the, the less I screw them up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so... Um, and then I turn around and, and we talk for, you know, four to six minutes, uh, you know, depending on what I've got to say, but, but just giving us that tight timeline, uh, keeps it very consistent. We know what we're going to do. We, I know, you know, how much time I'm going to have to talk to them for the most part. 
and then, and then we go out and and we we warm up hard and we're hopefully we're ready to play. And I think that if you give them the 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 win one for the Gipper, uh, Notre Dame football seems to be a theme tonight. Uh, win one for the Gipper. Uh, you can't do that twenty five times a, a season. It's just literally impossible. And and that kind of you know brings me around to my to my last point, um, which I'll get to here, but you, you got to be careful the messages that you give and you've only got one or two win one for the Gippers each, each year. Um, otherwise it's just got to be steady rain, steady rain trickling down and be consistent with your message. So I really like that one, Tony. Yeah. And one of those things too, like the nights that you need them to get up, you know, the, the nights that you don't want to have an off night, because there's times when you play the big games, you're going to have to calm them down. Yeah. And so you kind of got to watch that emotional balance with them a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of calming them down or getting them more excited, um, I, I really think that it's important when avoiding upsets that you got to budget your blowups with your team. And... You're playing a team that you don't feel, you know, again, you feel like it's an upset situation and you come out a little flat and you're not ready to go. That's to me, that's, you know, one of the things that you can do within the contest itself, call an early timeout, get on them about their effort, their lack of concentration, this, that, or the other thing. And if you only do that once a season, that should catch their attention. If you've got good kids with good intentions, that should catch their their attention that, oh man, coach never calls a timeout three minutes into the game and he's ripping us ripping into us here. Because you know just as well as I do, Tony, if you're seasoned experienced like us, you can usually feel that within the first couple of minutes that, man, something's just not right here tonight. Uh, I might have to get on these kids a little bit uh, uh, much harder than I normally do. And you know, use that early timeout to kind of catch their attention and, and get them ready to go within the flow of the game as you're going into it there. Yeah, and I, I like what you said, uh, budget your blow-ups, uh, because if you blow up all the time, it just becomes noise, kind of like the, the teacher in Charlie Brown, wah, wah, wah type yeah. thing. And sometimes, you know, if, if you're watching them in warm-ups um, and maybe you kind of had the sense in the locker room, it just didn't seem like they were as focused or whatever today. Yeah. You know, I've, I don't have a problem, you know, during during warm-ups calling them down to the baseline. I'm not going to take them back in the thing and I'm not really going to jump them, you know, out in front of public or anything like that. But it's a deal where if I watch them in warm-ups and it's not like we're going half speed and we're blowing layups and we're kind of loosey-goosey and goofy, um, I'll bring them down to the baseline and say, hey, fellas, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, I've seen this movie before. I don't know if you're going to like how it ends. Um, so I would encourage you to get focused here and to raise your effort so that we're not having a, you know, a, a tough conversation after the game about, hey, uh, we, we went in overlooking this one and we learned a very painful lesson. Yeah. Uh, do you have your coaches involved with your warmups at all? Are they present at all or, or what do you do for your warmups? A little bit, um, you know, with, with our, with our varsity staff, uh, John has one of the assistant coaches, he'll lead like a shell drill. Yeah. Uh, he'll go out there and do that. And then, uh, with my staff, uh, with me and my one assistant coach, you know, he'll watch very, very closely. Uh, he doesn't go down to lead shell drill or anything like that, but he'll watch and every once in a while, Hey coach, uh, you might want to go have a chat with them. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I'll watch for a little bit. And if it looks like he's on the money, I'll go down and say, Hey fellas, uh, again, 
we need to stop the blowing the layups and, and goofing around and get focused here. Otherwise, it'll be six, eight, nothing real quick early, and then we'll have a loud timeout, and then we'll have five subs. And yep. I don't think anybody wants to do that one. Yeah, I have my uh, my varsity assistant, Ginger DeRoe. She's down there, and she basically runs the warm-up for us. And yeah. and I sit over on the sideline, and, you know, you have your head coach. you got to do the officials meeting and that type of thing. Uh, but – you know, inevitably, when we go in at six and a half, first thing, you know, all right, are we ready to roll? You know, how are we looking? And most of the time, she's like, hey, good warm up. We're ready to go here. Um, and if and she says, um, if she says, you know, well, it was pretty shaky. We weren't good. So then we get into the locker room with the girls. All right, Coach Drew, how was our warm up? Well, it wasn't very good. We weren't very sharp, you know, and this type of thing. And, and she's kind of figured out. You know, probably once a year, she'll stop the warm up and she'll bring him in. She'll, you know, she'll say, "Hey, we're not, we're not good right now. We're not concentrating. We're not doing this." And and I think that's an area where she's really uh, done a really good job at and grown more confident in being able to really pick up on, "Hey, we're we're ready to go or we're not ready to go," and and knows how to handle it really, really well. So uh, that's a great thing with having great assistant coaches is is when they hear the message from somebody they're not used to hearing that type of message from, it usually tends to sneak uh, to to uh, stick in there with them a little bit better than it does when they hear it from the same person every time too. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. You know who else, Tony, has a great message every time they give us any sort of information on themselves. The all-rock band Europe. All right, Tony, it is time. Last week I had a trivia question ready to go, and then I didn't realize. So I I didn't have to look any uh, trivia up because I'm just going to use the one I had for last week. So are you ready, sir? I am. All right. So, and I'm going to be honest with you, I think this one might be a little tough. Oh, good. Okay. But I think I have a way, I think I have a clue that will help you get it. So, So I recognize that it's a little bit harder. But I also think I have a quality clue that will help you get the question correct. All right? Sweet. Okay. So I'm balancing it out. All right? NBA season started last week. And our guy, the Frenchman, um, he's doing okay. And we'll, we'll, I imagine we're going to talk a little bit about him in our TWIB segment here. Uh, he and then another unicorn, Mr. Holmgren. We got, you know, Scoots kind of struggled out of the gate a little bit. But yeah. rookie of the year. 
uh, has a chance to be a, a bit of an uh, interesting deal. And again, we're very young into the season. We're only six to eight games into the season for most teams. Since the year 2000, Tony, uh, and, and pretty much in the history of the NBA, the the rookie of the year has been pretty easy to pick out. Usually coming into the season, you've got the top three or four players coming in, and usually out of that, um, that's who comes out of it. But every once in a while, whether because it's a bad draft or whatever it may be, or overperformance by a lower draft pick, they come from somewhere else. Since the year 2000, Tony, who has been the lowest draft pick to win the Rookie of the Year. Now, I understand that's a tough question. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a hint, and I think it's a quality hint. All right? Last year, this particular player won one of the NBA's big postseason awards. Jokic was a second-round guy. Yep. I don't think he was Rookie of the Year. No. Postseason award he won. Won one. He won one of the big one of the big, big five or six awards last year. Huh. Let's see. Most improved. I'm trying to think who that was. It was not most improved, I'll tell you that. was not most improved, okay? Defensive player of the year. It was not that. was not that one either. Man, I am on the struggle bus here. Um, I have have no clue, to be honest with you. Um, no, no, No guesses? No guesses. Sorry, man. The winner, uh, or the, the, the answer to this week's trivia question, from the 2016 NBA draft, Malcolm Brogdon. Ah, oh, sixth man of the year. Sixth man of the year. He was the 36th overall draft pick that year. Um, so I, I, I did a dive here, Tony. There are six players... And this tells you how it's you know it's pretty easy to figure out who's going to be the rookie of the year. So the NBA has been around for 77 years or whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. Um, only six rookie of the years have not been drafted in the top 10 of the draft the year before or previously in their career. All right. So like, so like Blake Griffin, he was number one, but then he sat out with the knee injury and then he was, you know, so, um, let's see here. Um, Jamal Wilkes was the 11th overall pick in 1974 for golden state. Michael Carter Williams, number 11 in 2013 for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, 36, a guy by the name of Don Meineke in 1952 for the Fort Wayne Pistons was the 12th overall pick. Mark Jackson, uh, color commentator, he was the 18th overall pick, and he was Rookie of the Year for the Knicks. And then, you want to, did you have Woody Salisbury, as the rookie of the year in 1957 for the Philadelphia Warriors, I remember waiting. Uh, <laughs> number sixty, he was drafted sixtieth overall, and he was rookie of the year. So, huh. um, so yeah, so yeah, that's what I had this week. Interesting. Yeah. So, if you had Woody Salisbury, you win. Huh, the old Salisbury steak <laughs> and a little slice of love. 
Lunch Lady Land. <laughs> oh, all right. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. We didn't get the trivia, but we do have this in the repertoire. How about that? Little This Week in Basketball. Mr. Viss, we didn't really get a chance to talk about this. Um, you know, I, I've got some, some things written down, some hot NBA starts, you know, things like that. Uh, what was on your list, buddy? Surprise me. What do you have? Uh, the two items that I was, you know, with the NCAA start, and I was wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, perhaps the parity in the women's game. Yep. You know, we had the super team that went down, and then you take a look at the uh, men's side of things. Obviously, you mentioned the whole James Madison knocking off Michigan State, but there have been some other things. Uh, you've had Division two schools, NAIU schools, knocking off some Division One teams, too. Uh, so it, it, it's shaping up to be the wild, wild west uh, in the NCAA basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, there, there was some interesting uh, outcomes. Uh, South Carolina women kicked the snot out of Notre Dame uh, in Paris the other day, uh, played really, really well. Um, we've had... Other, you know, I, I really like uh, Fran Fraschella brought this up on his Twitter feed. Uh, something along the lines of, you know, Auburn and Baylor starting off against each other. You know, two really good programs playing against each other. Uh, there was another game that he brought up, and I forget what it was, but it was two pretty pretty good programs uh, playing against each other. You know, most teams like to warm up with a couple softies, uh, and you can't blame them for that. Uh, we got a big one tomorrow night. We're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, Iowa women are going down to Charlotte, North Carolina, to play Virginia Tech. That ought to be a heck of a ball game down there. So we do have some, some heavy hitters here in this first week, Tony. should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I thought the women did a much better job of, of setting up some marquee matchups early on, non-conference type things. Uh, I can't remember who South Carolina has next, but they have another good team that they're playing um, mm-hmm. after having played Notre Dame, like you mentioned, in Paris. Uh, but yeah, the men's have, have some easy ones set up, but at the same time, sometimes you get those those nights where James Madison uh, knocks off Michigan State, and I thought it was interesting because Tom Izzo's nephew is an assistant at James Madison. That's why he agreed to play him. And I think it was a, a pay game too. I think yeah. they I think James Madison got paid like ninety five thousand or something like that. So yeah, yeah, all kinds of interesting things there going on. Get the you know get the get the paycheck and then and then go home with the dub. So yeah, not a bad deal. Bragging rights for the holidays. You bet. You bet. So, um, you know, we had talked before, Tony. Uh, Next time we go to Arby's with Kim Mulkey, she's paying. Uh, <coughs> that, that was a that was a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, I think Coach Self is going to pay for Arby's the next time we sit down and dine with him as well. So yeah, five year uh, deal. Yeah, he's got he's gonna, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. Cost of living in Lawrence, Kansas, isn't too bad. So um, 
you know, yeah, I, I think, uh, but, you know, well-deserved. One of the best that's ever done it. Yes. Uh, yep. Two national championships. Could have maybe won a couple of more along the way. Had some couple upsets there and has had terrific teams. Just consistent year in, year out. One of the most amazing stats. Uh, what's he won the Big 12 regular season championship, like, 13 of the last 14 years or some yeah, it's crazy. some outlandish number. And, and, and that's and, been a league that's won the national championship. It's not just Kansas that's winning them. Yeah. you got Baylor and, and other schools there as well that are winning national championships. So that's not a chump league. Yeah, yeah. This is not – and, again, I don't want to diminish, uh, like, for example, what Gonzaga has done. But Gonzaga has been the dominant team in their conference. It's been Gonzaga way up here. And I know you can't see me doing this, Tony, but Gonzaga way up here. And then St. Mary's a couple of steps below. Still, St. Mary's a good program, but then everybody else is is way in the rearview mirror. I mean, there, like you said, there's Baylor, there's Iowa State. Kansas State went to the, uh, went to the Elite Eight last year. Uh, Texas Tech went to a national title game a few years ago with Chris Beard. So this is this is this is a man's conference, obviously. So um, yeah, Coach Self, we are getting extra Arby sauce the next time we're going, and I'm substituting my soda for a shake, and you're picking up the tab, buddy. So that's just the way it's going to be. So um, speaking of the French, Tony, Mister Wembenyama, uh, I think he's going to work out okay. He's not bad. Yeah. Um, and then I think he's in the most famous arena in the world tonight. Uh, it's a ball night in the NBA yep. as the Spurs are going to be in New York City playing the Knickerbockers. Yes. Um, Madison Square Garden. It's 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 a lot different than what I thought it was going to be um, when we went there. We went there for a U2 concert when we took vacation out there. Yeah. And uh, we actually had to go up like five flights of ramps and stuff and it's it's way off the ground it's it's actually elevated off the ground in manhattan there it was just it was different it was different but it, it was it was pretty awesome to be inside of it and i'm excited to see what Wimbanyama. um every delusional knicks fan thinks that he's going to turn down his rookie option and he'll sign with the knicks four years from now uh you know so let's let's get that ball rolling here because you know that type of thing uh but yeah he's been really good uh what he did uh, closing out that game against Phoenix. They swept the Suns. They had the crazy ending, and then he came out and had like 38. The next time, they, they kind of did one of those baseball series where they stayed in town and played two games. Um, and again, uh, I don't know if Booker played. I know Beal hasn't played yet. Um, Booker did play. Uh, there was one time when, when they were on a run. I think the Suns might have tied or even taken the lead that he was talking a little smack. And then the the tweet there was, and then show the rest of the story because that's when the Spurs came back, and then I think they outscored them by like double digits to end the game and and to get the sweep. Yeah. Yep. So uh, changing the game as we speak here, Mister Wimbanyama. Um, he's no bull bull, but he's good. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thoughts on uh, you know a couple of of things that I. I don't want to say that I predicted it, Tony, but I kind of predicted it. You know, Phoenix, as we talked about, struggling with some injuries, uh, kind of beat up. The Lakers, Anthony Davis tweaked something again. Hip. Uh, hip the other night. Uh, just, you know, should you be worried if you're the Lakers? Should you be worried if you're the Suns? Uh, you know, you you got guys that are already sitting out games early. LeBron's playing about a zillion minutes. Um, already this year, 
Uh, I want to look that up here real quick. Uh, I, I think somebody said he's playing like 36 minutes a game already or something. Yeah, it's just shy of 36. Yeah. Um, Anthony Davis is playing a lot of minutes too. Um, I, I wouldn't really be too worried about the Lakers yet. There's some new pieces there. I know uh, Gabe Vincent's been struggling. Um, you know, Cam Reddish seems to maybe be fine in his his game a little bit. Um, but Rui Hachimura is not playing as well as what he did. And then Austin Reeves has had a little bit of a struggle. And you kind of wonder if he maybe played too much ball this summer, yeah. um, you know, with being on, on the uh, world championship team anyway. Um, but I think the Lakers will be fine. It's a long season. It's 82 games. I wouldn't quite strike the panic meter yet here on November 8th. Um, but if we're doing this in a month and they're still struggling like this, then it might be time to, to maybe ratchet it up. But the Lakers didn't start clicking till right at the end last year. And one of the things that you know about the Lakers is if they are struggling, uh, Rob Polink is not afraid to make a move. And he, he usually does some does a pretty good job with that in, in tough situations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I look at the Sixers are a pleasant surprise. They they play yes. Boston tonight. That's going to be a good game. Yep. Uh, Nick Nurse is is a maestro. Uh, he's, he's running really good offensive sets with them and handled the Harden situation. Uh, I don't know if I would say to perfection, but pretty doggone close. Um, and then the other thing, Dallas is playing better than expected. But at the same time, I go back to what you said earlier last week when we were talking about Dallas. Um, look at look at who they're playing. Yeah. Um, they got they got their ears pinned back pretty good by the Nuggets, and that's really been about the only good team that they've played. But you got to beat up on who you need to beat up on if you're going to get in the playoffs and, and put yourself in a good position. If they've played six teams that they should have beat, and they've gone six and one, those are six wins that nobody can take away from them this season. And there's only yep. you only get 80, 82 opportunities to get wins, and you got to bank them while you can. And yes. so, um, yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, yeah, Nick Nurse is just, you know, Iowa guy, you know, so yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, last fall I got to spend a day with him and just got a chance to talk some hoops with him and, and just great guy, smart, smart basketball guy. And, you know, I was sitting there like when Milwaukee decided to let go of Budenholzer, I'm like, you got to hire Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse would be the perfect hire for that team. And, mm-hmm. I was really dumbfounded when Milwaukee did not uh, did not hire him. Now maybe they they talked to him and and he didn't want to go to Milwaukee. He'd rather be in Philadelphia. I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't part of the negotiations or anything like that. But uh, you know, he uh, I just think he's one of the best half dozen coaches in the NBA, and and I think that um, I think he's going to really get the most out of this Philadelphia team. I, I think he needed a fresh start after being in Toronto for 10 or 11 years. I think Philly needed a fresh start dealing with the hardened stuff and, and Doc Rivers. And and I think maybe Doc was probably burnt out. Uh, you know, he's taken the year off. I think he'll come back in the next year or two, give it one more run here as a head coach. But I think, I think Nurse is just – I think he's one of the best, and I think he's got them going in the right direction as well. So – um anything else tony no that really kind of hits it just the topsy-turviness of the ncaa both men and women and then you take a look here in the nba you've got some teams underachieving you got some teams overachieving and you got some teams hitting expectations yep yeah uh I, i really like what golden state has done as well um Chris Paul's playing really, really well for them. I, I think they just got a chance to be really good. Minnesota got a couple quality wins. Um, beat the Celtics. Yeah, beat the Celtics. Yep, beat the Celtics. Um, 
Uh, there was one other team I was going to talk about. Oh, uh, Indiana, a little bit of a pleasant surprise. Tyrese Halliburton uh, doing a really, really good job. And, and the, they're kind of exceeding a little bit of my expectations. But, again, what do I know? So, um, and speaking of Golden State, they're in Denver tonight. Oh, yes. That, I think that one's on TV as well. So, yeah, ESPN. Um, I haven't slept well the last couple of nights, but God, it's going to be hard to turn that game off tonight too. So. Uh, I have to see how I'm doing around nine o'clock here, Tony. I'm, you know, so you'll keep being the second one. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find one. I, I don't know if I've ever been able to find a first wind, let alone a second <laughs> one. <laughs> so, um, hey, anything else on avoiding upsets, Tony? Um, anything that you could think of that uh, we can we can leave off with? I think you can go with two words: consistency and preparation. Yeah. Yep. I I, I think the the consistency part of it. And that starts with you as a head coach, day in and day out, being organized, consistent messages, uh, not veering off track with what you think is uh, the flavor of the day, uh, consistently preparing your teams. And again, you're going to get upset. There's just stuff that's going to happen at some point. You're going to get upset. You know, Shashevsky got beat by a, a 15 seed one time as a two seed or something like that. Lehigh. Lehigh, yes. Um, and so it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen to you and, and you need to have a plan. I think Tony, uh, as you become more seasoned and experienced, you need to have a plan to how you're going to react to the point where you're going to get upset. And, um, I, I think that's really important for you as a coach to, uh, have that in the back of your head. Okay. What would happen? If we were to lose tonight, how would I react to this uh, based on these couple of variables or something like that? So I, I think that's just something you have to prepare yourself for, Tony. So, um, yeah, that's about all I got, buddy. Sounds good, my man. All right. So uh, episode number 63, Avoiding Upsets. Hope you enjoyed our conversation here tonight. We covered a lot of different things, as we always do. Uh, Tony and I will be back next week. Uh We'll talk about something. We don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll talk about something. We'll hopefully uh, have a chance to help you out. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.